Welcome to the Rise Network podcast show, a podcast dedicated to help you reach your dream lifestyle through investing in real estate. We're going to be sitting down with new, intermediate, and experienced investors to talk all about real estate and how it has changed their lives. If you're looking to scale your portfolio or even just get into real estate investing, you're in the right place. Make sure to tune in. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the Rise Real Estate Investing Podcast with your host, Austin Ye and... And Mayu. What's going on, everybody? Austin, how's it going, man? It's going. It's going. Um, so a couple of things on my end are... Oh, I think I, I think I already chatted about it, but I'll give another update. The eight unit that we're trying to refi, our appraisal is set for June 9th, which is fucked. Like, it's just pretty irritating. It's just so long because all they need uh. to do is... So one unit when they appraised it was almost done, but not completely done. So they wrote in progress. So they just need to go in that unit, double check it, confirm it's done and and send an updated one. But they said it'll take like just a few minutes. Um, But they're booked until like June 9th. So it's just very frustrating. I don't like to wait in this current market environment because you don't know when lending policies will change. People change their mind. Like we can only go 70% loan to, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I just feel peace of mind of getting it done sooner or later. Yeah. So, so that's one thing. Uh, what else is going on in my end? Uh, exploring, looking to get into businesses. Like I'm not, not 100% committed into it just yet, but it is something that I'm looking into in terms of like buying businesses and growing there. I don't want to start anything. I'd rather buy than start. So uh, that's kind of where my mindset is at the moment. And, and you're still looking into like real estate related businesses, right? Like we're not going to see Austin Ye manufacturing, <laughs> right? Um, so the preference would be real estate and adjacent businesses. So mm-hmm. for example, roofing, flooring, cleaning, um, mm-hmm. landscaping, like they're adjacent to real estate. That is what I feel most comfortable in. But that's not to say I'm not willing to step out of my comfort zone. So the strategy that we're doing is called the roll up. If you guys are following me on Instagram, you would have seen me chat a bit about it. Essentially, with roll-ups, it's not really industry particular. It's more so opportunity-based, wherever the opportunity lies. So if there's not as much of an opportunity in real estate, but in another industry in this fragment, a bunch of fragmented competitors in there, and you can start buying them up and rolling them up, then I'm not opposed to doing another industry, right? Because ultimately, the game is operationalize and um, acquire. So, and it's very numbers and um, operational driven versus like being an industry expert. Yes, you do need some sort of expertise, but like with any business, um, you learn it as you are doing the yeah. due diligence phase, right? Um, real estate is my number one priority, but if there's an opportunity elsewhere, I'm not completely opposed to that. But how do you like realistically? Um, I think I think you said that, right? Because like, how do you go out finding opportunities if? you're not actively looking for opportunities, right? Yeah. Um, I think you have to kind of have an idea of like, what I'm sure you do. You have an idea of what kind of businesses you're interested in um, and and kind of, you have an idea where you'd rather focus your time. So that's dope, man. Yeah. You have to go to business brokers and like, yes, to say like, like I'm looking for X, Y, Z. And then it's it's like, they're basically like real estate agent for businesses. Right. Um, But you're right. From an off market perspective, you can also buy businesses off market, but the success rate's extremely low, um, mainly because the seller can change their mind at any time. It's not like they're fully committed, right? Like they might go yeah. to the due diligence phase and be like, you know what? Like I, I kind of don't want to sell it anymore. And uh, yeah, that's not, that's not great. <laughs> but um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I'll give some updates as we go along in this podcast. Rise business podcast, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at different markets not to start investing. I think I'm kind of at a point where you and I were talking about it briefly yesterday. Like, I'm probably going to start investing again within the next like month, month and a half. Um, the only way that makes sense for me is to go fast and hard a little bit. <laughs> uh, as weird as that sounds, like I'd rather just buy like three properties up at the same time and then kind of like figure those out come back and then refocus again. Right. Um, the problem with that is obviously how you structure it from a business perspective. So that's currently what I'm talking about. I need to speak with some, some lawyers and kind of set some things up. So I've got a couple of different partners that I think would be interested at call like 200, 200, 200, and then set it up as like a small, like, we're not going to say the, the word just in case it gets me in trouble with the regulators, but <laughs> uh, set it up in kind of a creative kind of structure. Right. Um, so we'll have to see where that goes. Um, our flip is sitting on the market, man. That one's driving me nuts. We've had barely any showings in uh, the last week, week and a half. And it seems like, cause I've got clients that are selling in like Oshawa. I've got clients selling in like Ajax, like selling in like well and like selling kind of all over the place. And like, it seems a common trend is just, there's no buyers, right? Like there's literally like one or two like buyers in each, each person's basically had like two showings. Right. Um, and everyone I know that's selling right now is like, you know what, like we consider like 50 to hundred grand below, like what, what, what we're listed at or like whatever. Right. Um, it's just that there's no offers coming in. Right. Which is kind of the tough part. So, um, right now it seems like it's a market where you just got to weather the storm a little bit and sell or, um, someone posted a story about this recently. How there's like different types of buyers, right? If there's enough like heavily, heavily motivated sellers, you're going to start seeing significant price reductions. I think in the coming weeks. So we just have to kind of wait and see what happens. Yeah. So uh, I've I've heard the same thing from a lot of others as well. Like if you go on Twitter in the Twitter universe, I follow a couple of realtors, a couple of economists, so on and so forth. It's like experts in the real estate industry, leaders in the real estate industry, and I don't remember the numbers off the top of my head. But they were showing the terminated listings versus available listings over the past, I don't know, month or whatever the case is. And like almost all of the cities in the GTA are above 75% like termination to listings. So a big chunk of listings are being terminated and, and then relisted on. Yeah. yeah. And, and even one city, I don't remember, was it Peel? Maybe it was Peel or York. Don't remember which one exactly. It's like 118%, like something crazy where there was more terminations than there are listings available. Right. So, uh, definitely interesting times we're in. And it's not even a matter of like having a fantastic deal. It's a matter of the buyers. Like, if the buyers are not present, like, what can you do? Even if you have a great deal staring at your face, if no one's going to buy it, then it's just going to sit on the market. So, yeah, you're right. Like, if you need to refi Airbnb, that's a strategy. If you want to hold it on the market, can do that. But, um, that this is where we say you need exit strategy. And now it's putting everyone to the test of, <laughs> of having exit strategies. <laughs> right. For sure. We're going to jump straight into the podcast. We have Martin and Lynn today. They are a power couple who met in Quebec, dropped everything and moved over to Moncton, New Brunswick and started a real estate business and started acquiring multiple properties. Super inspirational. Um, They are on track to build a seven-figure wholesaling business. Uh, They have double-digit employees in their business already getting started less than a year ago. And over 30 real estate units in a short period of time. So it just goes to show that when taking chances in real estate, things can pay off if you put 100% effort into it. They didn't have everything set up before transitioning into real estate. So this is a super inspirational story. If you guys are looking to grow either a business in real estate or acquire a ton of properties in a short period of time, you don't want to miss this episode out.
Hello, everyone. We are joined with our very special guests, Martin and Lynn. And today, I think it's going to be a super exciting episode because we're talking about everything from JB's building a unit of 30 plus portfolios and building a seven figure wholesaling business all out in Moncton. How's it going, guys? I guess Austin's kind of taking your introduction from you guys here, but um, I know both of us know you guys, but for anyone else that doesn't, why don't you guys just, you know, give everyone an idea of how you got started in, in real estate and what you guys have been up to? I think we have both um, a different story to that star. So um, to me, my dad was always flipping houses when I was young. So we always moved from a new construction site to another, and it was always moving into the next project. Um, learned a lot from doing that. And I kind of always knew I wanted to follow his footsteps. Um, and then when I moved to Moncton, fast forward a few years later down the road, um, I was looking for rentals. And when I looked at the market, looked at the rentals and looked at how much properties were selling, I kind of quickly did the math and realized there's, there's a really good cash flow potential here. Um, and I met Martin around the same time too. And we both decided to kind of go in full time into that. Um, but yeah, my dad was the first introduction to it. And I kind of went on my own after that. That's right. Yeah. So for me, um, ever since I started working full time, I would, I just wanted to own the property. Right. But instead of owning, uh, you know, getting into real estate investing, I just wanted to buy a brand new Montreal condo. <laughs> uh, so when I run that idea by some of my colleagues, you know, one of them suggested, Hey, just go read this book and then let it, let me know what you think after. Obviously that book ended up being a rich dad, poor dad. And I, that's where I learned, you know, different between assets and liabilities. So instead of buying that Montreal condo, I ended up buying a, a very rundown uh, duplex, up and down duplex. And what I did with it, um, because it's outside of the city and I couldn't, you know, get enough rent to cover the mortgage <laughs> on, the, on the property. So I had to literally convert it to two living rooms into a digital bedrooms and rented out room per room just to cover, you know, all of our expenses. However, you know, that means my mom and I were able to live for free because we only needed two rooms and we had, you know, all the other tenants paying for our uh, expenses. So that was my first exposure, I guess, to, uh, to a rental property, you know, managing a rental property at a very small scale, literally living with your tenants and just house hacking my way through. And then as Lynn said, um, you know, when she moved to Moncton, uh, we were visiting and we were living on the other side of the spectrum, right? Trying to find a rental property in Moncton in the middle of the pandemic, that's when we realized, wow, this city has uh, definitely quite a bit of cash flow potential. You definitely don't need to house hack in order to cash flow <laughs> in the market like this. Uh, so that's when uh, the wheels started turning and that's when we uh, you know, pulled the trigger. Yeah. yeah. I think another cool part as well uh, with, that, with that story. So that's, that's actually how we met Lynn. It's like through me uh, house hacking. So one wow. of the tenants <laughs> I was living with wanted to throw this uh, party and Lynn ended up getting invited to that party. Yeah, we actually talked about real estate that night because he was newly bought that duplex and we're kind of looking around and my dad has been flipping houses forever. So I was just telling him, oh, you should probably renovate this and change that, put some backsplash <laughs> there, <laughs> paint those cabinets. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how everything started. That's awesome. That's so funny. So you guys were on the same page from day one. <laughs> exactly. It was, it was reality and investing. <laughs> I love it. So how did you guys stumble across Moncton? Because now you guys are living in Moncton, right? And I'm, uh, I guess for a lot of our, our new investors, um, you know, what was that thought process that led you to Moncton? And um, I guess, how's the market changed since you guys got there? And one thing actually that should be touched on as well is how did you get the confidence to just like leave everything behind, right? Because um, I'm sure when you were making the decision, you didn't have a large amount of assets that would support that decision and transitioning. So walk us through that process as well. 
So the way it happened is I get so quarantine. I'm living with my parents in Montreal. Absolutely love my parents, but it was kind of becoming too much for me. And I needed more space. I needed to be on my own. I needed to do my own thing. And I was pursuing a degree in criminology at the time. Um, so I did a simple research looking at different programs in criminology in the country. And I fell on the one that's in Moncton. Plus, it was in French and I wanted to pursue my education in French, uh, which is really rare to find, especially in criminology. Um, so I packed my bags. I packed my bags and I met Martin a week before. Uh, so to me, this wasn't going to be anything at first. Uh, go to Moncton, move there for a little bit. And then he came to visit. I was looking for rental again for, for myself. And I saw the prices. I saw the rent and I was shocked because they're very close to what we can charge in um, in Montreal, our two bedrooms here were around a thousand three hundred, um, and he was renting his three bedrooms in Montreal for a thousand five. So it's very close uh, for Moncton, a city that's again our understanding as Montrealers is it's a smaller city, should be cheaper. There's less people. There's less things going on, but it wasn't the case. And then I looked into buying and the mortgages, and you pay a five hundred dollar mortgage and you can make twelve hundred in rent. So the math was pretty simple there. And that's kind of how we were like, okay, there's something there. Um, there's a little more to that story though, Martin, if you want to take over on that. End. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, beyond looking at the numbers, right? Beyond just, uh, you know, trying to find an apartment for her to rent. It was really funny because like coming as a, uh, you know, a, a newly uh, property owner in Montreal, I essentially didn't let her rent anything else. I learned this yeah. such a ripoff. <laughs> Why are you paying this much for Mountain? And honestly, before even coming here, I thought there was no grocery stores. I, I was <laughs> checking with Lynn. I was like, should I bring some groceries? Like, are we going to have food to eat? That, that's just to show you, like, I really knew very little, right, coming into the city. Uh, but as soon as we got here, you know, we checked out a few properties and we did a math in our heads. We're like, okay, there's definitely something here. Uh, we also did a little more research as well, right? We found out in 2020, uh, Moncton was actually among the fastest growing cities in all of Canada in terms of population growth. Uh, we read a couple of CBC articles saying that, you know, there's a lot of Canadians uh, who can work remotely. You know, they're choosing to leave their shoebox apartments in Toronto. They're choosing to leave places like Vancouver because their money goes a lot further when they move out east. Uh, so we saw this trend of people, you know, just migrating to the east side of the country. Plus, we also did a little research on the, the local economy as well. So we found out. So Moncton is actually a hub city. It's, it's perfectly placed for distribution in the entire East Coast. It's two hours away from Fredericton, two hours away from Halifax, an hour and a half away from St. John. It's, it's very central. So a lot of companies, distribution companies are actually moving into Moncton. It's cheaper for them. It's cheaper to build their, their centers there. Uh, the cost of rent is also a little cheaper compared to bigger cities. And they're very centrally located if they're you know sending other trucks to to different locations so lots of company moving lots of people moving so economical growth population growth uh, there's also a lot of major universities university of moncton being uh, the biggest francophone university east of quebec there is uh, a few uh, different um anglophone universities as well like crandall university and community colleges here and there with a lot of also specialized schools so a lot of people from smaller cities around New Brunswick are also merging to Moncton and contributing to that growth for the universities, for the job um, positions as well. And we have also most of the call centers here. So TT call center, um, Blue Cross, Blue Cross call centers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so all of these different economic sectors, you know, are really made up to uh, what we call an ideal tenant profile, right? So we have university students, we have hardworking industrial and blue collar workers. 
Uh, so we really check a lot of the boxes uh, in terms of where we want our rental properties uh, to be in. Uh, that was definitely one of the main considerations. And to be honest, on my way back from visiting uh, Lynn, so I was you know, doing that drive by myself. It's a 10-hour drive from Moncton to Montreal. I was sad. Yeah, whatever. So yeah, you whatever. Know, <laughs> on my way back, I was like, what do I do now? So I actually opened up my phone. I, I popped up your podcast. This was actually back in uh, November or October of 2020. And that's when you know, I think you guys first launched your podcast. You guys were doing a few episodes already. And I think Mayu was talking about investing in Moncton. I was like, wait, this guy's an invest in Moncton. There's, there's definitely something here. We're not crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. You guys were probably one of the earlier investors that I spoke with out there. Um, I don't remember exact timelines, but I definitely remember talking to you guys about that. So that's cool. So you guys had decided now, I guess, Lynn, like you were kind of already in Moncton. Martin, it, it seemed like you were getting convinced on, on kind of the numbers working out in Moncton. I think the, a lot of the trends in the data and the population and economic stats and all that stuff all supported Moncton's kind of growth, but how did you guys get started in your investing journey? Because I know you guys wholesale, I know you guys own properties as well. Give us the kind of the rundown of how you guys got started and how you scaled up so fast. So for us, I was setting full-time and I was also working part-time for a nonprofit. So it wasn't making bank. Um, and Martin also had his full-time job as well. But like we both knew we could do better. We both wanted to do better, and, but we didn't have the money to start buying houses left and right as much as we wanted. So as listening to podcasts, um, trying to figure out, okay, how do we get started? How do we do something uh, without necessarily having too much money to put into? And we stumbled across wholesaling. And to us, wholesaling made a lot of sense, especially in um, a buyer's market. Uh, sorry, a seller's market. Uh, because it's, it gets harder and harder for buyers to actually find deals. Most of the property are, are going significantly over asking. Um, and so for investors who are looking for actual deals, discounted deals or distressed properties at a good price, it was harder to find. So we, we saw that little need there and like, okay, there's something there. We kind of have to go fill in the blank and, 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 and be that person there, be the go-to New Brunswick wholesalers um, and do that there. So that's kind of like how the idea came to us. And um, as we said earlier, right, we were very interested in the market already. We called up a bunch of realtors we wanted to buy. And guess what? This was back in October, November of 2020. Everyone was telling us it's already too late. You know, every single listing, multiple company offers um, on the market, right? So we soon realized, you know what? If we want to do this, if we want to do this at scale, we can't really look on the market. Yeah. We have to get creative about finding deals. So from listening to podcasts, you know, we learn about wholesaling, we learn about finding off-market deals, and that's what we, you know, started off doing. And we, you know, build our carrier website. We build everything when we're still in Montreal, and then when we fully launched it, you know, in March 2021. We just packed up our Mazda, you know, essentially left everything behind and moved to uh, send down New Brunswick uh, to, again, house hacking a, a fourplex that we just bought. So we essentially live in one room <laughs> of that fourplex, rented out the rest of the property. This way we can, you know, really make sure our living expenses are kept at a minimum. Yeah. Because um, again, I think we had seven, $8,000 in the bank account. In credit. In credit. <laughs> on credit card. Cre on credit card. Yeah. So it's not like we started with a lot of money to just send out multiple mailers. We started driving for dollars, knocking on people's doors, uh, writing our own letters, like handwritten, and then folding them and putting them in the mailboxes. Um, and then we got our first deal. I mean, we always get that little imposter syndrome when you start, right? You're like, do I deserve a wholesale fee? Did I, is it a good deal? Is it not a good deal? Um, so we got our first deal and then it worked. I'm like, oh, okay. 
So it's, you know, we have a proof of concept now. How do we take the money that we made and just reinvest it right away, get more deals and, and do more things? Um, and that's kind of how, how it all started. We, we quit our jobs before even making any money, to be honest. It was a huge risk, but we both were very determined and we both really wanted it to happen. So we, we did what we could. And, and luckily that was enough. So. Yeah. And, and also what's even luckier for us is like, you know, we're essentially in a market where there's no real competition, right? If we were to start this in Ontario, it would definitely be a lot harder uh, with, uh, you know, so many wholesalers, so many savvy investors out there, you know, sending out their own mailers. Uh, but for us, right, uh, with our backgrounds in marketing, uh, we did, you know, multiple uh, diverse integrated marketing campaign uh, that spans across just mailers. Uh, we ended up doing, um, you know, also online PPC ads. Uh, we set up the carrier site. We're targeting keywords such as divorce lawyers. Uh, plumbers, you know, uh, where uh, even roof leaks, <laughs> exactly. uh, foundation cracks, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up, you know, essentially getting leads from beyond just driving for dollars, beyond just mailers. Uh, we're getting leads from, you know, all the different sources that we had set up. I think the fact that there wasn't as much competition was definitely a, a great advantage. Um, I think one of our challenges was starting this in a city, in a province that have no idea what wholesaling is. Um, so we, a lot of sellers were a little spooked out like, like, what are you, what do you do? Like how you buy cash? Like what, you know, like, why are you sending me mailers? Like stop sending me mailers. So they're not used to it. Um, and it took us a little bit, you know, explaining over the phone to people and telling them what we do and making our marketing as clear as possible. So they would understand it. So that was another challenge for us when we first started, because people didn't really understand what wholesaling is. I mean, in Ontario, if you receive a letter, you just look at it like, oh yeah, I, I know that is, that's fine. Uh, but here people will get spooked out. How do you know I have a house? How do you do that? So that was, that was one of our challenges. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great opportunity actually You're exactly right. In Ontario right now, everything's oversaturated. You hear people say they have five or six mails. So you want to do a Kijiji ad, 20 other people are throwing Kijiji ads as well, but you find that opportunity, like the principles don't change regardless of what province you go to in terms of marketing. A lot of it's the same. So you found your niche, you built your expertise around there. There's a need around wholesaling and off-market deals in Moncton, and you blew up your business there. So now you're up to what, like 15, 16 employees? Um, let's yeah. go through that process because you had 8,000 in credit. At the beginning, you were getting leads via, what was it? Like low-cost strategies, things that didn't really cost a significant amount of money. Um, I assume with that money, you didn't pay yourself. You reinvested it into the business. So could you walk me through the stages of how you got 16 employees and what your business structure is like on the wholesaling side? So we started with all the possible free marketing possibilities that you can think of. Uh, we would put ads on Facebook Marketplace. We would put ads on Kijiji. We would you know, knock on people's doors and, and put some handwritten letters in their, in their mailboxes. Um, we got a few deals in and, and then we got a little bit of money on the side. So now we're like, okay, how do we take that money? What do we do with it? We started sending mailers. And we did it in the most expensive way possible. We would buy the Costco stand. So that it's like a dollar each, plus the paper, plus writing it. And I would handwrite them myself. That's exhausting. Uh, we, <laughs> <letters. That's> <laughs> we would spend the night just sitting on the bed. We would put something on TV and then we're just sitting and writing and folding, writing don't, and folding. Don't be a stamping. day night for us. Yeah. I don't, I can't even tell you how many envelopes I lift myself. Buying the envelopes. <laughs> it was honestly, I think it probably cost us like, $2.15 per letter, something like that. Quite a bit and a so lot it was of time. Pretty yeah. expensive, lots of time too. Uh, so we started like that, got it, sent a few deals out, um, and then we started getting phone calls, lots of phone calls. And then 
to a few wholesale deal later, we're having a lot of more money. So now we're doing, we're going to a printer, he's printing it and he's sending like multiple 10,000 at a time. Uh, that's kind of how we started. We also realized, okay, if we're the only one pulling the addresses, you know, finding where the owner lives, it's going to take us forever. So we ended up, you know, hiring someone of Upwork first. It was a virtual assistant. We're paying around $4 per hour. And his only job ever since April or May was to find the ownership address of specific properties. As you guys know, especially in Central Moncton, um, there's a lot of rental properties. So it's not necessarily owner-occupied. So if you just send them a junk mail, if you send them a neighborhood mail from Canada Post, owners won't necessarily receive it because the owner might live in Alberta or might live in Ontario. So we actually spend the time to find out, okay, where the owner lives and we send that direct mail to them. So that's why you know, it's, it's probably a cost the most to do it that way. Uh, but it's you know definitely effective uh, for us. Yeah. So we started that way. And then the more we send out letters, the more phone calls we get. And to be honest, I kind of hate that ringtone now <laughs> with the amount of phone calls that we were getting all the time. Um, so we got sick of taking phone calls and we were starting to make some money too. So like, okay, how, what if we get an acquisition person to help us that could take the phone calls, that could do the acquisition side. We can like do it together so we can take less calls. Yeah, um, we, we actually tried out different things even before that. We essentially got one of Lynn's friend to help just answer the phones. We're like, you know what? If we're just talking about answering the phones, anyone can do it. Yeah. Um, didn't quite no, work out. Work. Yeah. No, um, yeah, it's, it just people have questions for you when they call, especially in the market when they don't know what wholesaling is. So we needed somebody that actually understands that knows the entire process that can explain it to somebody. So it's not just anybody taking the phone. It has to be someone that understands what we're doing. Um, and then just randomly, one day we're going out for dinner with one of your friends and her boyfriend happened to be the acquisition manager we hired. He was extremely motivated, interested in real estate, has been investing in real estate on his, on his own too, uh, has kind of heard of wholesaling, never really done it before. So we're like, hey, do you want to move to Moncton too? And then a week later, he's here, ready to go. <laughs> so it worked out really well with him. That's the first person we hired. And then after that, uh, we had, you know, one of our partners, shout out to uh, Alex and Kaylee Powell out of uh, Hamilton, Ontario. So they came to visit, you know, uh, New Brunswick, they met up with us and they told us about this conference um, called Seven Figure Flipping. Well, that's actually not even the part we cared about at first. They just mentioned Florida. And we're, we're like, like you know go what? To Florida. <laughs> we needed some sun. We needed, you know, a little vacation. Uh, and then he was like, hey, there's a real estate conference I go to every single year. It's called Seven Figure Flipping. I think the event is called Flip Hacking Life, right. actually. Yeah. So we go there. Um, we get our minds blown by the amount of information they're sharing. Uh, very generous with the information they're sharing. And instead of talking about strategies and how to flip and how to burn, they're talking about how do you build a business, a profitable business around it? How do you build a scalable, profitable, and sellable business? Um, and we didn't even know you could do that. So we're like, okay, um, I think we're going to do that thing. We're the same like that. I want to do that. That's right. <laughs> uh, once we were kind of tired, honestly, of doing everything. We were doing the marketing, the acquisition, the disposition. The, we were also kind of buying with partners at the time too. So a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, lot of work on our end. Um, and we wanted to offload a big part of it. So yeah, that mastermind truly, truly helped us go to the next step. That's when we are starting to look at it as a business and less of like a thing to do, like a task or a job. Yeah. Cause before we just had glorified jobs, right? Essentially yeah. we were working 
you know, we essentially left our 9 to 5. 16 hours a day. Yeah. We were working like 60 hours and 16 hours a day, waking up like early and going to bed at 3 or 4 in the morning. It was pretty intense. It was a little rough on us too. I mean, we were honestly at that point, we only knew each other for like 8 to 9 months. Let me ask you guys one question before we go on too deep here. So, so I think a lot of like the Ontario wholesale deals that we see are single family houses is probably the most common, right? And then you probably see a couple of duplexes, a couple of triplexes. And then maybe like 5% of wholesale deal, deals here will be like true multifamily, like maybe even less than 5%, right? Um, Moncton's a city where, like you said, um, a, a lot of rentals, right? A, lo- a lot of kind of renter occupied properties. Um, more of the single family houses are usually the owner occupied ones as well, right? So how do you guys go around that to find the end? Because I, I know you alluded to it, that you, you're, you're reaching out to people that are out of province, right? Um, what is that process for anyone that is looking to emulate or, or kind of copy the same process in Ontario? How do you go about finding the end user? So what we do is we cross-reference the information with the land registry. So let's say, Mayu, you own this house here on Montgomery Street. Um, but you don't live there, you have a tenant there. So on the land registry, it would show who the owner is, so the name, so you have your name, but you also have your tax address where you personally live. So where you receive all your mails or your papers, the, the address you gave to the lawyer when you close the property. Um, and then we would be able to see that. So we'll send you a little letter saying, hi, um, hi, Austin, we saw your property at this address, we'd love to buy it. And we'll send that letter to your address in Toronto. Um, this way you get the letter and not your tenant, because chances are if you send it to your tenant, he won't really respond to it, probably just throw in a trash. Exactly. Uh, this way we can target the owners directly and we really don't spend any money on tenants at all. Is that something that's specific to, to New Brunswick? Because I, I think New Brunswick has I don't know if it's only for multifamily, like a bit, it's not a database of like all like the multifamily owners, right? But is this something that's specific to New Brunswick or do we have it in Ontario as well? And Austin, maybe you can answer this or. My understanding is like every province has a land registry. They have to keep those records somewhere. Now, yeah. the issue could be where you find that information and, and is it available? Is it publicly available? And what are the costs? Um, the cost of money, the cost of time too. Because to be honest, when we do that cross-reference, we have to do it manually. So we have to go pull the address, cross-reference with Google Maps, and then put the information of that person. So we had to hire people to do that. Um, depends on how much you're willing to spend on it and how much time you're willing to, to spend on that too. Ontario, you can go on Geo Warehouse and just... Yeah. And if you find the corporation, Google it. Every corporation you'll find... The, if you search my corporation, don't do it, but you'll see the address. <laughs> and like, you know, all of these people, their corporation addresses are usually the primary residence a lot of the time. Yeah. So, yeah. so that's what we started doing, right? We started doing by, you know, uh, seeing, oh, that looks like a distressed property. Let's find out where the owner lives. Transitioning to, you know, right now we're, you know, making our own list by the zoning map. So we'll check out, you know, city zoning map. We'll check out, okay, this is, as Matt, you said, we, we only want to target the investment properties, the multi-units. So we're looking at, you know, R2, R3, R2U zoned properties instead of R1. So we're essentially targeting, you know, properties that are in zones where they allow multiple dwelling units. Uh, so right now we have, you know, built a database around uh, these criteria that we have built out and we send out on a monthly basis, targeting, you know, um, different criteria of uh, these properties and reaching out to them, trying to see if they're looking to sell. Gotcha. Now, how did you find the buyers um, for your wholesaling business? Because it's one thing to get deals under contract, but if you can't sell it to someone, then it almost serves useless, right? I'd argue that that's kind of like the pros and cons of it as well, right? I guess Moncton, there's not as much competition, but the buyer pool for Moncton and the buyers that are aware and knowledgeable of wholesaling, it's a lot less than Ontario as well, right? So, yeah. 
So just like a lot of people in Ontario, it was like people are getting kind of tired of, you know, overpaying for properties and also not cash flowing, constantly having to pour money back into the property, hoping for that appreciation and then refinancing at the end, which is mostly the strategy in Ontario, to be honest, because you barely find any cash flowing properties. Um, a lot of those investors were kind of tired into like looking into that market and they wanted something that cash flow, something that has some growth. Um, and Moncton was one of the options. So there was some talk here and there about Moncton. So most of our list right now is Ontario buyers. Um, there is some New Brunswick people here and there, but they're mostly all in Ontario. And when we started, we didn't have money for sellers, but we also didn't have money for buyers. So we didn't really pay anything in marketing to get the buyers. So at first, literally what we had to do, we literally had to you know, just do what most wholesalers do at first, right? So scraping the emails from whenever there's a deal pop up in the Facebook groups, I would simply just copy paste them in the Excel sheet. And then upload them onto MailChimp when we're trying to send out our first deal, you know, by making a list of essentially stolen emails of Facebook groups, MailChimp flagged us right away. Um, they yeah. essentially banned our account. They're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Where huh. did you go from zero to, you know, 250 uh, contacts overnight? overnight. Um, so we soon learned that, okay, you can't do that. <laughs> you have to get your subscribers to, to actually manually opt in. Right. So essentially what we started doing is we started, uh, you know, obviously using our carrot, uh, New Brunswick property deals page everywhere. Right. We put out social media, we put out uh, wherever possible. We also started, you know, the most important piece for us is we started creating content for ourselves. Uh, when we're researching about the market, we found out, you know, there's nobody talking about New Brunswick. Uh, there's no real content out there. Everyone is talking about real estate investing. So we saw again, another niche there. And we felt like, you know, we let's might as well capture that. So we started a YouTube channel. This was back when we had no deals coming in. We had yeah. no calls. <laughs> so we had all the time in the world. So every single week, we made it the mission for ourselves to interview other local market experts, similar to this format, right? Just in the Zoom format. And we just wanted to, you know, record every single call, put it on YouTube, put it on our social media and see how we can add value to ourselves and also add value to other investors who are looking amongst it. So that ended up getting a lot of traction because we are talking to property managers, we're talking to contractors, talking about topics like you know how to mitigate you know the double property tax in New Brunswick, what are the tenant profiles in each neighborhood, and the you know type of properties issues you could come across because we have older properties here in New Brunswick, it's an older province. Um, so yeah, lots of conversations with experts, and I feel like that brought in a lot of attention. Uh, and also, I mean, who Googles New Brunswick market insights on YouTube other than somebody who's actually looking to invest there? So very qualified um, leads in terms of buyers. Um, and we just grew our buyers list organically that way. Yeah. So a lot of people that reach out to us nowadays, they're saying, hey, I watched your video a couple months ago uh, when you talked to you know, your property manager and I got a lot of value. So I'd love to you know, pull the trigger and take some action now. So um, I would definitely, you know, short answer to that question, um, content, building out the content, focusing on a specific niche. Um, that, that's what worked for us. Yeah. Just so everyone knows, uh, what was your YouTube channel called again, guys? Yeah. So before it was called New Brownswood Property Deals. Uh, okay. Since then, we've rebranded everything to Made Property Solutions. But if you look up New Brunswick property deals, you, still you're still up. able to find it. Yeah, I just, I just signed up for your mailing list. That's awesome, guys. And so <laughs> I, I know you guys were um, wholesaling quite a bit. Um, how did you guys transition into joint ventures? Um, and, and, you know, just I know we're, we're going a little bit over time, but, you know, just give everyone kind of a rundown of um, the investment portfolio to date, how you guys have been leveling up. Um, yeah, I, I mean, some sample numbers would be great, too, actually, if we have time for that. 
Everything we made on the wholesaling side, we would reinvest it in the company and we hired people pretty quickly too. So that went all into reinvesting in the company. So again, still no money, but with a lot of will to invest in real estate, to invest in the properties and buy them. Um, and we learned about the burr. We learned about how to refinance, get all your money out and use it again for the next property. Um, so yeah, from YouTube, from Instagram, from what we're sending out there, people started reaching out. And then this one guy one day tell us, hey, I'm not going to buy any of your wholesale deals, but I'm going to buy them with you. I'm like, oh, okay, that's interesting. So we started chatting with that person. And then we learned more about joint ventures, learned more about you know, passive and active partners. Uh, and we're like, okay, so we're here physically. We have contractors working for us all the time with uh, the wholesale deals that we have. We're starting to get to know property managers, et cetera. So we can do the active work. We're here physically. We can definitely do that. Uh, we just need somebody to bring in the money. And that person that was their idea, they've been investing in uh, Windsor. They've been investing in different smaller markets in Ontario. And they've seen, uh, they've seen the boom, the extra <laughs> crazy appreciation that happened there. And their idea is that Moncton was going to be the next Windsor. Um, so yeah, we bought three proper three units with that person. Uh, and we just went, bam, 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 bought multiple ones within two to three months and then renovated everything. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how we started. That person specifically was very helpful in, in that right. process. And um, I'm in my late twenties. Um, I went to a business school in Montreal. So uh, most of my you know university friends, uh, they work in Toronto. They work um, on Bay Street. They work in Montreal. Uh, they have you know manager positions. Uh, decent paying jobs, but there's no way, you know, they essentially have a hard time qualifying for uh, anything, you know, in the GTA area or Montreal. So they want to get into real estate. They see what we're doing. So a lot of my friends from college, they actually started reaching out to us. They're saying, hey, like, see what you're doing. Um, let's partner up. Like, how can we buy real estate with you? So that's also another, you know, great way yeah. for us to find our uh, other twin venture partners. Uh, essentially, they provide all the cash. They're the one qualifying for the mortgage. We do all the work. And for all of the properties that we've done in uh, 2021, right, we actually went through the process of doing the renovation, doing the bird. Um, every single one of them has been a full bird so far. Obviously, a huge part of it, you know, thanks to the market appreciation, but also the fact that we bought them, you know, with building equity at a discount. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, been, so, yeah. it's been great. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome, guys. It's quite the journey. Um, I know, Austin, I just cut you out there, but um, I just want to ask you guys about, like, there's a little bit of a changing landscape in, in New Brunswick, right? So being boots on the ground, um, interacting with a lot of buyers, a lot of sellers, um, contractors, just kind of like, what are you guys seeing in the local market now? Yeah, well, I mean, we are still buying, right? Uh, because we're still able to uh, find distressed properties. Again, how we market ourselves among the local community is we are a pawn shop for real estate. <laughs> so we still have, you know, sellers who come to us, we're saying, Hey, I need to leave the country within 10 days and I can't sell this on the market. Would you be able to buy it? And I can't really let you do an inspection. You have to take everything in the house with you. <laughs> so we're still able to find, you know, opportunities like that. Um, so I know, especially if we, you know, after doing a cash flow analysis, we realize our cash flow can still cover easily cover the debt service even if the interest rate shoots up. Um, so I will say, you know, we're still comfortably buying because we have access to some of these opportunities. Now, you know, the, there were also recent updates to uh, the rent regulations um, and also how um, essentially the New Brunswick rental uh, climate is changing. Definitely a lot of ways that, that investors are using to go around that um, and trying to find ways to, to still make the numbers work, to still make their bird work. Again, we are you know working with our tenants, working with our property managers as much as possible, 
uh, trying to see how we can create win-win situations for everyone that's involved. Yeah, I think maybe the biggest change we've seen is the like days on the market has probably expanded just a little bit. So used to sell in a few days. Now it's probably taking a little more than that um, to sell. I mean, it's, I feel like we've seen a, a bit of a slowdown kind of everywhere happening. Uh, it hasn't really affected us that much, to be honest, other than just the days on the market that are a little longer. But yeah, I think we're still going strong for now. Awesome. Um, just out of curiosity, in Moncton, how are the wholesale fees like relative in Ontario? I know, and this is just for me to, to have a better understanding. It doesn't necessarily be Moncton, but like there's wholesalers in Alberta and stuff as well. Um, in Ontario, we're used to like larger wholesale fee. Of course, marketing significantly more expensive because you got to put a ton of money before you get a deal. Um, but the average wholesale fee, at least prior to the last like two months, because oh, the last month, the last month has been pretty brutal. But prior to that, the average wholesale fee was about like forty thousand. Is that in and around what you're seeing in Moncton, or has it been less? Again, this is more out of a curiosity sort of thing. So we're dealing with properties with with less value. So if you're selling yeah. a million dollar house and you've got a you get quite a bit of spread, you can justify having a higher wholesale fee. Um, it's still honestly high considering the prices. I feel like our average wholesale fee is twenty five thirty thousand per property. That's really good. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere from honestly, like we've wholesaled for nine thousand, just like we've wholesaled for fifty seven. So it really depends <laughs> on the property, depends on the discounts, the location, etc. So yeah. yeah. And every marketing campaign you send out, very likely you're going to get a deal from it, right? Like there hasn't been a marketing campaign you sent out where it's like, oh, well, this one didn't work out. We tried out billboards. Yeah, and, that uh, one didn't work. <laughs> that one, the, that call one. Row, the, the call row number just never rang yeah. uh, from the <laughs> I think it's uh, mostly yeah. for, like billboard, I kind of see it as just brand recognition. You know, you want to be out there and want people to see you. Doesn't really convert much leads, um, but letters have been working really well. Um, we have a TV ad now that's been that's been surprisingly working. I was I was a little surprised. I was not expecting it to work, but it has it has been working. Yeah, so we, um, we shot this TV commercial. We essentially, you know, uh, posted it after either CTV News in the morning or after you know Big Bang Theory or Doctor Phil. You know, those kind of TV shows that are just constantly on the run. Uh, essentially targeting you know people who might be in a distress situation. The message is: we buy house cash as is. If you are in any of these situations. Give us a call and we're going to give you a quote uh, for an easy you know, transaction. Um, and that's been performing quite well and it's quite consistent. And like postcards, you know, if you don't send out any postcards for that month, then you, know, you kind of get that residual effect coming lower and lower from the previous month. But TV commercial, we see it's quite consistent. Are you guys in this TV ad? I feel like when you're skating over this, like, it's, pre- it's, pretty, it's pretty jokes that you guys have a TV ad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a little crazy to watch yourself honestly on TV, but you know what I'm imagining? You know the um what's that uh that old guy that goes, I buy gold, like all cash or something like that. Right? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, gold for cash. <laughs> we aspire to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, That's yeah. awesome, man. You guys are trying a whole bunch of different things. I think billboards ultimately it's just to say like top of mind, right? Um, yeah. it's like you drive by, like no one's standing there writing down the phone number, but like you remember, like they just kind of stay relevant, right? That's awesome. You guys are absolutely killing it. Appreciate it. All right. So generally at this point in the podcast, we'd like to ask our guests two questions. Um, so the first question for you guys is, uh, you know, where do you guys see yourselves five years from now? 
Okay, so I feel like we have common goals together, but we also have uh, personal goals on our end. And correct me if I say something incorrect, but I think for the both of us, we definitely want to build multiple sources of passive income. So whether it's holding real estate, whether it's turning the wholesaling business into a fully passive business, like a self-run business, um, or other ventures, that's kind of where we want to be. We also have a monthly cash flow goal that we're trying to hit. I think for now we're like 100k a month each. That's kind of our cash flow goal. We're trying to get you that. Um, and then we have our own passion projects on the side that we want to be able to do. So in five years, hopefully we have a couple of kids, maybe two dogs. Um, the cash flow goal should be hit by then, hopefully. And then we want to be able to have more time freedom to work on our passion projects. Do you want to elaborate more on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. Even now, uh, you know, thanks to our amazing acquisition managers and acquisition and also disposition manager uh, with a bunch of virtual assistants, right? Like the wholesaling business, essentially the only time that we put into it is really business dev and marketing. Uh, that's really the only thing that we're doing nowadays. So it's already, you know, on the way to, to become quite passive, which we're really proud of. And even right now, we're already looking at, you know, other asset types. So we're looking at industrial buildings. We're looking at uh, storage units for one. Um, you know, so many people are moving to the East Coast. Um, and, you know, we definitely see a need for commercial assets, you know, such as uh, storage, such as industrial warehouses. Uh, so we're looking for ways to diversify our cash flow already. And for myself, I you know definitely want to continue building these businesses um, around also building a community within you know wherever it is that we live in. Um, I always wanted to you know uh, start either a, a forty-five uh, you know gym concept uh, or you know create a, a, some kind of boutique a fitness gym. That's uh, yeah. that's what I always wanted to do. <laughs> I think for me, I've always been very passionate about um, immersive and experiential art. Um, so I've always wanted to have a nice little art gallery where we'll have those little exhibitions. So that's another little project that we want to have the time and the money to, you know, the freedom of, of doing and, and, and focusing on that. Plus, we also want to have a family. So the idea is really to be able to be there for our family, spend time with our loved ones and uh, yeah, and kill it on the work side as well. So <laughs> that's, that's the plan. That's the five year goal. That's awesome, guys. And you guys are at a good spot in your life for sure for the amount of success that you guys have had. Relative to your age as well. Okay, the next question is for newer investors in today's market. Like, what do you guys see as being the the primary risk? It's a really good question. For new investors, um, I think you know there's so much noise and so much uh, content on social media. Right, um, it looks like anyone that got into real estate in the last five years seems to be killing it. <laughs> so a lot of people, you know, just think, hey, it's just you know, real estate is just a go to method to to become wealthy to create. You know, passive income. So a lot of people, I feel like, you know, just jumping into it. Even you know, nowadays we, we get a lot of calls, you know, uh, from people from different parts of the country, thinking that hey, New Brunswick real estate, you know, has been on top of the mind, and everyone is talking about it. How can I get in? You know, they're ready to purchase cash, and they're buying an ARV yeah. for a property that you know mm -hmm. that we're like, what are you doing? Yeah. They're really buying into the hype more than actually running their numbers properly and conservative and and, and buying the deals. Um, I think that's very risky, especially if, you know, we don't know where the market is going to go. And it's always better to be conservative and, and make sure your numbers make sense, even if the market slows down a little bit. Um, so I think that's definitely a little challenging, a little scary for people who just started is to just buy anything because you want to buy something. That's right. Yeah. So I would definitely say, you know, the biggest risk I see is for people who are just buying into hype. Even in New Brunswick, you know, like people are just jumping into New Brunswick or people are jumping into real estate, jumping into crypto. I'll say, you know, you got to train your mindset first. You really got to, you know, educate yourself 
uh, before we jump into this full time, you know, I was one part that we didn't share is, you know, after work, um, after 5 p.m., I would actually deliver Uber Eats every night. And when I was delivering, I was listening to podcasts left and right. Uh, so for a month, I was constantly, you know, educating myself, then was constantly, you know, reading the books along with me as well. So just improving ourselves, improving, you know, our craft. And that's when we decided to pull the trigger. So I think, yeah, it's, it's very important for people to... Buy deals, not hype. Buy deals, not hype. That's our model <laughs> for, our, for a long time. <laughs> when we first started, that was our cash first. Buy deals, not hype. <laughs> that's a really good phrase. And it's actually so true. I think on social media, it's just like, oh, just bought this property. Oh, just refinances. And that's all you see, right? You don't see the struggle, yeah. the, the days of shit. Am I going to hit my ARB? Like, how am I going to like... You know, deal with the scope creep that's oh, not yeah. costing me like 30 grand more and all that shit. And then you hear people like obviously buying properties like zero money down and stuff like that. And everyone just kind of gets trapped into it. So I think that was really good advice. Just not giving into the hype. Yeah. Good stuff, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Martin Lynn, really appreciate you jumping on. Your story is super inspirational for what you've accomplished in what seems like it's just a little over a year. That's that's amazing. Just leaving everything and going all into real estate. It shows when you commit 100% into something, like as you were saying, Martin, committing to your craft, it truly goes a long way. And excited to have you guys back on in a few years and, and see where you guys at then. Hopefully, you're, you're closer to that 100K um, each <laughs> per month. That's an amazing goal there, living that luxury lifestyle. Um, if people want to reach out to you, connect with you, join your buyers list, watch your YouTube video, so on and so forth, how could they best do so? Joining the buyers is they can go directly on our website, which is newbrunswickpropertydeals.ca. Uh, if they want to reach out to us over Instagram or over um, email. So Instagram, Martin's Instagram is... It's Martin May. It's Martin May. <laughs> yeah. And for me, it's Lynn Sairi. So L-Y-N-E-S-A-I-G-H-I. And then we have our company Instagram too, which is mainly Property Solutions, where we post about a lot of market insights and the YouTube channel, mainly Property Solutions as well, but it can reach us. That's yeah? right. Yeah. That's how you can reach us. Perfect. Awesome. All of the links are going to be in the show notes below. Um, again, thank you guys for jumping on. If you guys haven't already, like, subscribe, do whatever you can to support this podcast. That helps bring great guests like Martin and Lynn out. And until next time, everyone, invest smarter and live better. Take care, all.